I had that feeling. I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I did it anyways. I'm sitting in a parking spot, my car's on, and I just see this gun coming up to my car in the in the mirror. In my mind, it was the guy that I'm about to sell to is about to rob me. Not there's 18 cops surrounding my vehicle. Holy right. shit. All right, boys. We're here. So I got a special guest on today. Not someone in the fitness industry. He actually um, is too small to be in the fitness industry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm definitely going to have a lot more uh, people from the fitness in this industry that inspire me uh, that I'm going to have on this podcast because I'm going to have conversations with them. But the reason I wanted to, uh, the reason I created this podcast in the first place is because I want to have conversations with the people I want to have conversations with and I want to shoot the fucking shit. And you are, dude, I hate to. I hate it when I give you compliments. I just hate to give you. I hate giving you compliments in general. But okay, okay. <laughs> noted, noted. But uh, you're my fucking boy, dude. I love you to the fucking ends of the earth. And you and I have been through a fuck ton of shit. We've been through a fuck ton of shit. So if there's anyone in my entire life that I can say that like my closest boy that I've had the most time under, the most experience, it's this guy. This, this guy, this guy's named Dion. I'm Dion Terry. Dion Terry Fit. That's me. Hey, I'm, it won't be Dion Terry Fit anymore, actually. Yeah, what happened? Dior Dion. Oh my God. That's what I'm going to change it to. I don't know why, but it comes off the tongue very nice. And I'm kind of bougie. So it kind of fits. Okay. Okay, Dior. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we got cute old Melody behind the cameras. Helping us with the setup. She goes, hi. These are my two best friends. These are literally, literally my two closest best friends that I've had for the last four years. Just happening to be in the same room with me for the first time in like over a year. Yeah. It's been a while, a year. huh? Yeah. Over a year. Lots yeah. of changes. Lots of changes, dude. As every year brings constant change. Mm -hmm. Right? It's the only thing you can actually like expect. Yeah. Expect change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, this boy, this guy lived with me for like a year. We were roommates for a year. Um, he's one of the first people I met when I moved to San Diego four years ago. So he's known me before my whole journey into whatever career, whatever the fuck my career is. Um, he knew me at like 25,000 followers or whatever. At least that's when he met me. So this guy has seen me through, through it all. Mm -hmm. um, I think my biggest transformations have come from our time together so <clears throat> so honestly i had absolutely zero plans i have absolutely zero plans for this podcast i didn't plan anything out whatsoever i didn't plan out any questions but i do want the uh the audience to know a little bit more about you okay because you got a okay. fuck ton of stories bro you got a fuck ton of stories that'll help people understand like what you've been through mm -hmm. um and i feel like a lot of the things that you've gone through and the way that you and Ryan have influenced me is uh, has just changed my entire life, my entire perspective. It's the reason I can carry on doing things like this. Um, I feel like if I didn't have guys like you, then I don't know. I feel like I would be very shallow-minded. I feel like I'd be... Oh, hey, Melody, can you do me the biggest favor in the world before you leave? Uh, I feel like I have a little asthma right now. Um, in my backpack, yeah, the backpack, top, the top... Okay, so open up the big, big bag that has my laptop, the big pocket, and then the top net pocket at the very, very top. There should be an inhaler in there. Yeah, top. Yeah, right there. 
Yeah, can you toss it to me? I think I might want to hit that. I owe you one, by the way. Thank you so much. Oh, do you want to hit it? Yeah. Dude, when I was a kid, I uh, when I was a kid, I heard these were steroids. Mm-hmm. So I uh, took like t- like multiple puffs a day because mm-hmm. I thought it would get my lung like my lungs extra fucking strong. Mm-hmm. I thought I would like what does it be able to do? run for miles? Huh? What does it exactly do? Because I actually used to have one, but I never knew what it was actually doing for me. I don't know, dude. It's just a fucking steroid medication for your lungs. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the actual science behind how it works, but it supposedly just uh, relieves, you know, relieves asthma symptoms and. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's a steroid. It's like a respiratory <laughs> boost. Yeah. Okay. I mean, at least it's not like Clen Clen. Clen. <laughs> they're they're basically they were both made for the same purpose. I didn't know that. Yeah. You got more knowledge than me when it comes to those things. Like steroids and shit? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Which is a good thing. So you hold it like DMT, huh? <laughs> okay. As I go into fucking space. My inhaler into space. Okay. A little so weed kratom and an inhaler. And that's, that's how we're going to start off this podcast, huh? So how many I hits do does it usually take? Two. two I'm pre- yeah, okay. the, the doctor prescribes me two two hits. Okay. Hits. Hits. <laughs> it's supposed to be puffs, but it feels more like a hit. Gets me high. Gets the lungs high. Now, when you breathe it in, does it have to be like a whippet? Yeah. Okay. I'm just kind of like trying to gauge how exactly to hit this because it's been a long time. I'm treating it like it's a fucking drug. I mean, it kind of is, but I kind of have an asthma right now as well. Was that a lie just so you could hit that? Was what a lie? (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know it wasn't a lie. You actually have asthma. I I used to have asthma. Okay. I used to as but, a kid. But, so you, I but you've noticed that it hasn't been around anymore. You haven't really felt it anymore. Truthfully, I've kind of just like, if it's there, because I do have issues with breathing sometimes. So I may still have asthma, but I don't focus on it too much. That makes sense. Just keep okay. moving forward. Okay. Maybe I need one of these. Who knows? Oh, I wonder what the comments are going to say. <laughs> Bring it. <coughs> um, Disclaimer, this kid has asthma. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. the, the problem with this, though, is like sometimes if it's not set right and whatever, it's like the first puff doesn't do a full puff, which is annoying because then the dosage isn't correct. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I need to do another one, but I don't want to do too much. I don't want to like do two and a half. Okay. But it's weird. It's weird. It's like I have to pull it out because then it gets stuck and then it doesn't do a full puff or whatever. They need a better way of uh, supplying these. Like, is it because it's compressed inside there that it's a hit, right? Or a puff? Because like, could they create one of those in a pen? You know how we have like a weed pen? Yeah. Could they do that? Does that make sense? I don't know because the only thing I can think about right now is the fact that like if you take too much about if you take too much of this you can have heart problems. Oh. (laughs) Just like Clint. Oh. 
Okay. <laughs> so we probably shouldn't be doing that. No more. <laughs> it's okay. You're, prescri- you're you're prescribed. You have asthma. You just yeah. you just haven't been yeah. taking anymore. Exactly. Oh shit. That feels good. Okay. So <laughs> Dion Terry. That is me. So I wanna yeah, I wanna ask you, can you like tell us a little bit about your life? Like about the shit you've been through. <sighs> um you don't have to I don't know, just fucking tell me whatever you want to tell me, you know? Okay. The things that I would love to hear are like like your time in jail. Um okay. what that was like, all the things that you and Ryan experienced, even the the corner and stuff with like beating up people and then the whole like like getting people getting the, the sides and the races to like um make truce and shit like that. That was when you say too. like you mean the division in jail and how like the races stick with the whites stick with whites, blacks with blacks. Yeah, yeah. I remember Ryan saying this like story about how uh there was like a issue and Ryan got like the the security guards to like smuggling te- tequila or something, right? I don't, I don't think I oh, heard that you were story. There maybe that I don't remember that story. Okay, <laughs> but maybe. I highly like. There's no doubt in my mind that that happened. If Ryan told you that happened, that happened. No, I be- I believe yeah. it, bro. We were we were there watching him do most of the shit. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, I, no. I actually uh, kind of want to hear that story. Yeah, because if you know it. And I don't. I would like to hear about okay. it because it's anything about Ryan, right? I'll tell you everything I remember, but I don't want to construe the story in a way that like wasn't actually correct. So I'll just okay. do whatever I know. I know for a fact. Um, but for everyone who doesn't know, Ryan is uh, our best friend who passed away uh, a year and a half. Year and a half ago. Year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It was seven eleven. Seven eleven. Yeah. Seven. Well, the event happened on the fourth of July. Yeah. Right? For the July. Yeah. But. Man was absolutely nuts. Legend. <laughs> Legend. <laughs> he fucking, he died doing something. He died doing exactly what I felt like he would probably die doing. <laughs> uh, he was a sender. Yeah. No, yeah. I fucking, every time I think of like courage or whatever, think about that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ryan was a, uh, Ryan and Nick were uh, our two best friends that had both passed away in the last two years but um the thing that makes them so special is that they were probably the best guys the Mm -hmm. best most selfless guys that we knew um which is what makes it fucking crazy because you know in my head i want to be like why the hell is it always the best people in life that die why is it always the fucking best most good people in life that pass away but you know um i think there's reasons there's absolutely and, reasons. Yeah, and I, I like to, I, I truly, truly believe it's all for, um, positive reasons. Yeah, yeah. I think that things to show us when a bad situation happens in our lives, no matter who it is, right? It's it's meant to teach us something, right? No matter what it is, it could be somebody passing away, it could be going to jail. It's however you perceive what has happened and what you're going to do with that information moving forward with your life. Right. And you can take those situations such as someone passing away and saving, you never know 20 years from now, your experience is going to allow you to respond in a way with like just experience in general on that topic. Right. Whereas if you had not gone through that, you wouldn't be able to do that for somebody. You know, like I'm kind of going off on a tangent, 
to be honest, when I think about Ryan and Nick, I'm still upset about it, right? Right now I can feel myself. I'm a little worked up. I actually kind of want to tear up about it. I miss him, you know? I miss him too, dude. <sighs> Sometimes just take a second to breathe. <clears throat> I don't think it is. I don't, I don't think we're ever, I don't think it's ever going to change. I don't think we're ever not going to be upset about it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what makes it so powerful. Yeah. Uh, they have become two of my biggest reasons for continuing and living on. Mm-hmm. They've become two of my biggest reasons for reaching the top and doing the best I can to be the best kind of person. And it's not just that they inspire me to like do a lot mm-hmm. and to exceed and to achieve. What they inspire me to do more is to be good to others, to leave a legacy of love behind, mm-hmm. you know? These guys fucking gave all the time. They just kept giving to us all the time, even though they didn't have much to give. Yeah. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy. Even when they're gone, they're almost still giving. Right. Right. Through I want, us. I literally want, I, like, when I'm gone, I want to fucking, I want my friends to feel the same way that I feel, you know? I want my friends to fucking, I just, that's the kind of person I want to be, man. I, you want to inspire others to change for the better? Yeah. Right. I was actually just. I want to. I want to leave good behind. I want to leave love behind. I want to leave this world a better place. However, I was able to. So it's to be honest, like I can like get as many followers as possible and whatever, make as many workout videos as possible. But if I'm not being a good person, if I'm not leaving some. If I'm not just like giving love and leaving a legacy of goodness, I think it's all pointless. 100%. I, when I've taken acid, for instance, I've always, or shrooms, right? Any type of psychedelic, I've come to like the number one understanding of life is to love. Everything is love, right? Mm-hmm. Death is love. Like all of it combined, the answer is love. Right. And so when you like live your life trying to just uh, emit that, right, with everything that you do, I don't think there's any greater purpose for somebody. Right. And I've known that about you since we first met like four and a half years ago. Right. And that's why you're one of my best fucking friends. Like, bro, you're my best friend. Thanks, dude. You're my best friend too. Even though you. Even though you suck at making commitment to things. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I could do a little better with that. I agree. Um, I'm aware of it. That's step number one. (laughs) Right? This is true. So, and then you expressing it to me actually shows that, you know, you care that I would be better with that. Right? And as like your best friend, I want to respect that. So I want to work at being a better communicator, not only with you, but like my family, mm. my other friends, uh, coworkers, mm-hmm. people that I, I, you know, I'm in sales, so I talk to people all day. Mm-hmm. So it's like connecting. But I feel like ever since <clears throat> like Ryan passed away and then Nick, right? It, it's almost like I got scared to be close to people. 
because I was scared that I was going to lose them. Mm -hmm. So it's better for me to back away than for them to leave me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't think it's intentional. It's been like a subconscious thing that I have been aware of. To keep distance. To keep that distance, right? But it's something that I do want to work on and I'm trying to work on it. So I want to make that commitment, like <clears throat> moving into this new year, right? Like I've already decided today actually was the last day that I'm going to be smoking for the next six months at least. Oh, really? Right. Again, um, why? Why so? Well, I'm going to Tokyo at 3 a.m. tonight, which is going to be dope. There's, you can't have that over there, right? And I was watching Andrew Huberman, mm -hmm. his podcast on cannabis, and I was like, you know what? It's got its benefits. It's, got, it's, a, it's a tool. <laughs> Andrew Huberman kind of tears it apart. He does tear when it I apart. When I listen to him, I don't want to do anything, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> hey, but I respect that guy, actually. No, me too. Like he, Absolutely. There's... I look up to very few people, but like, by the way, you're one of the guys I fucking look up to. So I hope Thanks, you know bro. that you're fucking amazing. Well, same here. So back to cannabis though, right? I'm stopping that for six months. One to just like give my body a reset on everything. No alcohol, nothing. I'm going to journal. I'm going to meditate. I'm just going to like focus on that clear vision of the future man that I want to be mm -hmm. and become that. Right. Yeah. And a part of that is being a better communicator with my friends, building my relationships and solid, not necessarily solidifying them, but building them. Right. So I, I want to apologize to you about that. Cause I know you've said it to me a couple of times. And like I said, I want to respect that you as like one of my best friends, and be a supportive person for you as well. Because when I'm not communicative with you or like respondent to you, how can I support you if you need something, you know? And I want to be there for others, just like I would want somebody to be there for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, dude. Mm -hmm. That means a lot. It really does. Yeah. You've always been really good at that conf confrontation and um, like taking a... Taking uh, ownership, ownership, and that's, that's like gonna be in this conversation. The most respect, yeah. Yep. I think it's one of the most respectful things that a man can have. So Thank you. Appreciate you, dude. I I can say that <clears throat> I can be faulty in that as well as it, anybody can. You know, slack. Mm -hmm. I guess in certain areas, taking ownership. But you wanted to hear about like my story with like. Mm -hmm jail and where, where i am now and like how i got to where i am now he was about to say <laughs> hair. huh hair what hair what <laughs> what do you mean wait what were you saying <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i have major cotton mouth with this weed and i need some water oh shit um, <laughs> you want some of this? It's got some yeah, carb stuff in it. What is it? Uh, it's just uh, it's um, a little bit of Formula Twelve, the the carb stuff. Yo, that's fucking fire! Tastes good, huh? And a little bit of a huge subs BCAs too. It's so smooth. Tastes good, huh? It literally just tastes like water. Like there's nothing mixed in it whatsoever. Honest. What? <laughs> Except that it's sweet. 
I mean, I can taste the flavor, but like, I mean, it's oh, so the texture, smooth the texture. and light yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's like, this is just pure water with flavoring. That's what it tastes like. And it's so good. It's like clean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank nice. you. Cut now. <clears throat> That's what I needed. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. I'm like um, a commercial. Huh? I'm like a commercial for you. <laughs> You're always a commercial, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, backtrack. Let me backtrack. So tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about you, about your ownership, ownership and telling you about myself. All right. So oh, just, should I talk about my time in San Diego once I moved to California? Just everything that you feel like is something that you want to talk about. I just, whatever makes you feel good. Um, whatever you're comfortable talking about, okay. um, everything that you feel like is relevant to where you are now. Any. You guys have always had some amazing stories, mm -hmm. so and some fucking funny stories, like stories that make me make us go like, "What the fuck? Are you serious?" Like, <laughs> so there's so many of them that I forget them sometimes. Like, no, oh, yeah, wait, no, that happened. I know it's like if someone tells you that. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like you remember the story when something triggers it. Mm -hmm. If I just tell you to tell all your stories, there's nothing triggering each one of those stories. You have to actually conjure them up mm -hmm. from wherever the fuck in your brain they are. So I can understand. Okay, but. Okay. You know, well, just whatever. Let's start with the fact that my parents had me at 15 years old, right? What? Or not 15, 16 years old, uh, right? I'm going to start all the way in the beginning just so that people can get like a clear <laughs> picture of like uh, shit. how I developed into who I am and like what got me to a certain place such as jail, right? <laughs> and how I was able to flip that upside down and like make it the most like influential situation for my life to date. Right. Okay. And, but like use it in a positive way moving forward. So I grew up um, in Indiana, Lafayette, Indiana. Right. Which is actually pretty funny because Niall went to college in my hometown. Yeah. Like we didn't even fucking crazy. Know. So yeah, we met here. West Lafayette. Right. Or yeah. Lafayette. I'm Lafayette, you're West Lafayette. Lafayette. Yeah, I went to Purdue, which is in West Lafayette. Um, fucking nerdy school. The reason like I went there. All places. There's literally, there's literally nothing there. It's straight corn. <laughs> the only reason I went to that school is for engineering, is mm -hmm. to get a good engineering And you school. don't even fucking use it. And I don't even use it. You think you'll ever use it? I use it when I think about calories. <laughs> okay. Thermodynamics. It had its purpose. Yeah. And now yeah. that shit's out of here. Oh, I also like, honestly, it kind of helped with uh, me understanding the mechanics of uh, muscle. Okay. Like, uh, you know, what what are you exactly engaging mm -hmm. from certain movements and certain exercises? Okay. Um, and then I can kind of visualize uh, the proportions and force on each of those muscles versus like the supporting muscles based off of the angle of like what your arm is moving or your, like your muscles are moving. So I'm able to visualize it, which is cool. Um, Definitely engineering. The way you just explained that. 100% <laughs> engineering. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. But uh that's about it bro okay i took the hardest class in the country at the time quote unquote mm -hmm. uh, called thermodynamics 2 at okay. purdue um it was like on, like if you looked it up like there was like two three websites at the very very top of google that listed that as the number one hardest course in the cr country don't remember a single thing from it how'd you do on it though 
I got a B minus. B minus? Which hardest I, class? I'm actually really fucking happy about. It was so hard. It was fucking the hardest thing I've ever done. Me? I would have got whatever the passing score was. Just like skated by. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, not necessarily. Because like thinking back then, that's how I would have done it. But how I am now, it's uh-huh. like whatever I would do, I want to do it to the best of my ability Right. And exceed expectations. Right. Yeah. Because like, think about it. If a doctor can get a degree and they have C minus average, you know, like I don't fucking want that doctor. I want a doctor who had all A's. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would too. (laughs) So younger me thought a little different. So your thoughts can change. Younger younger you wanted to just pass by. Yeah. It was like. It was like, I know I'm not going to need this. So let me just do the bare minimum to get it. And then like allocate the rest of my time elsewhere to benefit me later on in life. So I guess it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But looking back now, I would do it different. So you're saying that now you would actually try to exceed? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. But back then you would have just skated by. For sure. (laughs) For sure. And this is why experiences have, like, the negative experiences have really helped me. It was like I needed those to, like, open my eyes a little bit. Right? Like, especially when I went to jail, I was, well, first, I was in the Navy, right? Mm -hmm. Came out here in 2015 completely by myself to San Diego, California, and... I got on my ship about three weeks after I got here. They had already started deployment, Mm -hmm. right? So I knew nobody. So I'm going to start basically just my San Diego experience. And when I got out to my ship, I didn't know anybody, right? I was not big like I am now. There's a reason that I got into fitness so like heavily, right? Because I was actually like a smaller guy. I was very, I was kind of skinny, you know? And so I kind of got hazed um, when I was in, in the military. In the military. Okay. Yeah. Um, especially when you go out to sea, like, for I was there for like seven months. Mm-hmm. And you don't know anybody. You show up late, or not necessarily late, but at, like the deployment has already started, you know? So getting to know people and building relationships there wasn't necessarily the easiest thing. And so I'm, can I get deep? Mm-hmm. Can we be transparent? Yeah, bro. All right. <laughs> of course. I found that when you speak about things that you've gone through, you take its power and you control all of it. It, it Nobody can do anything to you once you have removed it, the power from whatever that scenario is, you know, accepted. Right. So can you explain? So like me talking to you right now, I want to get extremely deep, I guess, and just like explain like my life a little bit the past five years or so. Mm -hmm. And some of it's kind of rough. It's a little rough. Even thinking about it, I can like get a little tense still. But the more I have spoken about it, the less, the, the less pressure it holds over me does that make sense 
Okay. Did that did that explanation was that good? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Um you just it doesn't have a grip on you anymore. So basically the more um like like an outlet, I, I can't think of the actual phrase, but you know how like therapy, talking, mm-hmm. you want to let it out. You don't want to just hold it in. You want to talk to someone about it. Mm-hmm. You want to bring it to the surface. So you're basically like, is that what you're basically saying? Yeah. Yeah. Because like we all have, think of like a, a trauma or an experience yeah, yeah, as yeah. being in a door. There's all these doors in your brain and each one of them is a memory, right? Some of them are trauma memories or whatever. They, they have a grip on you, right? Because someone's banging on the door, right? On the inside, the memory's banging on the door. And if you don't attend to it, it's just going to keep building. It's going to get louder and louder and louder, right? And then another door is going to get louder and louder and louder because you're not addressing whatever it is. Yeah. Right? And so it may come back throughout the years, right? But as long as you address it and you keep talking about it, you know, you're more familiar with it, right? You can almost like come to terms, shake hands. You, you eventually open the door and you shake hands with it. Gotcha. Yeah. Right? And you're like, Every hey. time you revisit it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is, you're there. You're in my house. It's like every single time you're acknowledging it. Uh-huh. Further and further. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't have weight on you anymore. It takes the power away from it. So I can tell even now, I can't, I'm kind of a little worked up about it. Thinking about like, oh, I'm about to have this conversation. Right. But in the end, like after it has happened, it's the best things that have that have happened to you. The struggles that you go through today will be the things that get you through tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? So let's go back to the military, right? Um, when I got on that ship, like I said, I didn't know anybody. So it first started with hazing and kind of like bullying. Then it turned into like, sexual harassment, right? Very quickly. And then like a month or so into deployment, I find myself being like sexually assaulted, right? And it wasn't just like a one-time thing. It would be minor things and then bigger things. It got to the point where like, I couldn't take a shower in the birthing without being anxious, full of anxiety that I was going to get fucked with. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I hadn't done any drugs before. Right. Um, I had never done drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't party. I was a, I was a nerd. I, I designed software, right. I played call of duty and I kind of just was like, I worked at a daycare, you know? So that experience kind of made me a little cold towards people. And then like trying to build connections with people was a little difficult, you know? Cause like I would always struggle with, am I worthy? Like, am I, am I good enough for love? And like, I still find myself sometimes in that headspace, mm-hmm. right? But it's something to address, you know? But, um, what happened was when I came back to San Diego after deployment was over, 
I found myself sleeping in my car. I had a, I had a, um, not a, not a birthing, but they, they had it. They gave me an apartment, right? But it was on base. It got to the point where like, I couldn't be around people who were in the military, right? I hated it. And so, like I said, I found myself sleeping in my car. I'd keep all my clothes in my trunk, um, couch surfing, hopping. It led me to like associating with, I guess, a crowd that I shouldn't have necessarily been a part of at that time, right? And so I started using drugs, right? And then I realized that when I used the drugs, say ecstasy or cocaine, I, I felt accepted, like I could be around these people, right? And then I got in trouble at work. All right. And they took my pay for two months. And so I had bills that I needed to pay and whatnot. And so I decided, you know, I want to have these drugs and I want to make money. I need to make money. Right. So I started selling drugs to have the drugs and to make money. And over the course of a three month period, I initially sold to an undercover cop. Right. The first person I ever sold to was an undercover cop. Talk about like that was the first person? First person. No. I can I can can pinpoint (laughs) everything. I thought about this so many times. Right? Like I can laugh about this whole experience now at this point. Oh. Not close enough? Okay. You can do a little closer. But no, I've uh I was a little too high earlier. That's my that 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 was my problem. I was so fucking high. I'm kind of like coming down. I'm like, okay, oh, you're I, can fine, a, bro. I can have a conversation. I think it was perfect. Um, but selling to an undercover cop, first person ever. So I was dating this girl who actually got me into ecstasy. And she wanted me to basically like provide to her and her friends as well. Right. And so before I even got the drugs to sell, I was partying at SDSU, blah, 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 blah. And so I I assumed, you know, maybe I had told a couple of people that, hey, you know, if you need to get anything, I'm, I might be able to give you stuff, right? Okay. Or get you stuff. And so how I sold to the undercover cop is he, he messaged me, mm-hmm. right? This was two weeks after March 26th of 2016. I remember the exact date, how all this how all this unfolded, right? But he messaged me two weeks after that date and said, hey, I met you at a party. You said that you you could get me some things. Um, can I pick up, right? And I was like, that makes sense, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and so the first person I ever sold to, because I had just gotten it, was an undercover cop. How this got set up, was that the girlfriend that I had been dating at that time, we were supposed to go to Beyond Wonderland, right? And it was on March 26th. For those wondering, that's a rave in um, Southern California in Nas Center in San Bernardino. Yeah. It's, it's a, like a bit. common one. People like it. Yeah. It's a nice one. Uh, but she had a bunch of drugs in her purse, Right. And so she went to her parents' house and they found the drug. Her mom went through her purse for whatever reason, 
found the drugs and assumed that I had given it to her, right? Which actually wasn't the case at the time because I was still waiting to get the product. So. You, wait, your girlfriend the drugs? No, no, no. Uh, my ex-girlfriend's mom, she found the drugs in her purse, right? Because she had, she just had drugs already. Okay. Right. She had already been doing ecstasy and whatnot. Okay. But basically her mom calls me and she says, Hey, Holy shit. Her mom. <laughs> she, I think it was like a FaceTime. Don't ever talk to my daughter again. Oh, blah, 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 shit. blah. If you do, I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to call the Navy, blah, 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 blah. And I was oh, like, way. I was really like, uh, no problem. Have a good life. Oh, right. Fuck. Cause like at that point I had nothing to do with that. You know, yeah, like yeah, that yeah, wasn't yeah. me. And so I was like, nah, not cool. And so two weeks later, then I got that message and I started selling to an undercover cop. Um, that went on for like three months, right? And so within that three months, I had done, I think it was like five or six controlled buys, right? Where he would come and meet me and I would sell him oh, whatever, shit. right? And this dude was a straight stoner. He looked like a straight stoner, 100%. Out of like, this guy smokes weed, for sure, right? So like, you never know who you're talking to. He probably still, he probably <laughs> actually does, honestly. Like, I almost thought I did, like, for a long time, I was like, didn't I do drugs with this guy? Like, <laughs> but I guess not. Um, but going back, um, after three months of controlled buys, they set up to do a a purchase for an ounce of cocaine, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> and so what's funny is before I went to do this, I knew it was weird. I like knew before it ever happened that it was going to happen, but I did it anyways, right? It was intuition. Yeah. I remember you telling me this. Basically, you said that you, uh, what was it? You said like you had a feeling. Like, like this wasn't the right thing. Like something was shady about like the way that you guys were communicating. And then I would say, you just felt like this wasn't the, the right exchange or the right um, sell. I just knew that I shouldn't do it. <laughs> right. It was, <laughs> it was just like, I would have been good not doing it. And, but I still did it anyways, because it was the money aspect and being able to continue buying more drugs. Right. Okay. And so, I don't know if at that point I had already gotten in trouble with the Navy actually. Mm -hmm. So I actually popped for cocaine and ecstasy um, in the Navy. Right. And I ended up doing 45 days of basically Navy jail. Right. So I sat on the, on the ship or on the barge and, and just like, I worked out for like 45 days straight. Most <laughs> intense working out I've ever done. I think actually, <laughs> I was fucking shredded, but I was still skinny. Um, <laughs> but going back, I think that I had just gotten done with the uh, with the forty five days when I went to sell to this guy. Okay, right. It was like a month later. Yeah, it was a month later because it was on July twenty sixth. Uh -huh. Yeah, July twenty sixth because my sister's birthday was the next day, and I felt like a horrible fucking brother. Because I was like, damn, my baby sister turns whatever it was at the time yeah. tomorrow. And here I am going to jail. Right. But uh, this controlled by, like I said, I, I knew I had that feeling. I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I did it anyways. And I was in, just to explain, like 
for people who live in San Diego. Um, I was at SDSU, the Ralph's at the end of Montezuma Street in the parking lot, right? This is where the controlled buy was, right? And so at the time, I was actually engaged, right, to uh, this girl named Holly. And we had just gotten off of a FaceTime, right? And I just remember getting off of the FaceTime. I'm sitting in a parking spot. My car's on. And I just see this gun coming up to my car in the, in the mirror, right? And in my mind, it was the guy that I'm about to sell to is about to rob me, right? Not there's 18 cops surrounding my vehicle, uh-huh. right? I got into fight or flight mode instantly. My car's on, so I put it in reverse. I don't look behind me. And there's four officers behind my car, right? <laughs> they had to jump out of, out of the way. I didn't, know, I didn't even know that they had to jump out of the way until they had told me later on, Okay, right? And so little did I know it was, speed up, it was basically San Diego Narcotics Division, uh, NCIS, the San Diego Police Department, and then one other one, the D, uh, DEA, right? They were all there doing a task force operation to catch me, who they thought was El Chapo of San Diego, right? <laughs> I had just been, I sold to an undercover cop three months ago for the first person ever. So it's like, I'm not who you think I am, right? They thought I had like connections, like major big operation, right? No. And so... I take these cops on an eight-mile high-speed chase uh, through Montezuma uh, onto the 15. Uh, through that process, they hit my car, right, like trying to stop me in the parking lot before it all actually went down. So my car is bouncing, right, because the, uh, the steering shaft is gone to shit. Holy right? shit. And so I take them basically right before Mira Mesa, I believe, on the 15, I end up pulling over, right? And so I actually have the video. We can add it to this. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, ha- I have a video. Of oh, it. shit. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> basically, they tell me to get out of the car, put my hands behind my back, right? Get on the ground. Uh, I was on FaceTime with my ex fiance at the time through this whole thing, like, because I had ended up calling her through the chase and I was like freaking the fuck out. I was like, I don't know what to do, right? And, and she was like, you got to get rid of the drugs, right? Uh So I end up shaking it out of the car as I'm driving. (laughs) There's wind when you drive, right? And so it blows all over me, all over the backseat, all over the car. Was it like coke and shit? (laughs) Yes. It was was snowing in my car. Oh my God. Uh, This is incriminating. (laughs) But... Congress erased my record. We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can literally like just say one by one. You don't have to go too in detail. You know. Okay. Just whatever you I think. I was trying is, to give people you, a story. No, I, I okay. love it. I love okay. it. I love it. It's just whatever you think is important. Okay. I just know that. Okay. Um, Time wise, we're already like fifty-one minutes in. Yeah, I know. We've been doing this for fifty-one minutes. We've barely even started. Oh. At least in terms of like what's. Hour. No, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. So. <laughs> Oh, shit. Okay. So I'll speed it up, right? Um, Get arrested. I go to jail. Uh, I end up 
getting no bail. And when I first got in, it was 400,000. Then it became no bail, right? If you don't know what no bail is, do you want me to go into? No, that's okay. No? Okay. Um, basically, I couldn't leave jail, right? I was in there until I got sentenced and served my time, right? So sometimes when you go to jail, you're able to bail out and fight your case from the outside. What all were you charged with again? I was charged with 31 felonies. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah, I was 21 years old. I had just turned 21. <laughs> um, <laughs> 31 felony charges, four assaults with a deadly weapon on a police officer causing great bodily injury, <laughs> right? My, the deadly weapon being my car, the four officers had, that had to jump out of the way of my car. So it was a, an attempt to cause harm to a police officer that could cause death, great bodily injury, right? So they hit me with four of those, uh, a bunch of sales and possession charges, and then evading, right? So 31 total. Um, when I got sentenced, it was five. I got hit with five and two strikes. The five were two assaults with a deadly weapon on a police officer, right? Two uh, sales, sale charges, and then the evading charge, right? I also had to agree to never, ever drive again in my life. Oh, At 21 years no old, way. that was a hard one because like when they told me this deal, because I was looking at over like 25 years, right? I ended up, I can explain like how I got what I got, right? Mm -hmm. But which is probably really important actually. Um talking about like ownership mm -hmm. right um so the five charges that i got i told you that um i got two strikes in the state of california if you get three strikes you're out what that means is you go to prison for 25 years to life so and they have to be violent uh um you don't have to explain everything you okay. can just uh, say the story most okay. people can just look it up on google later that's very true okay I'll just have the <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because um, I want to, I want to hear more of the stories and shit. You know, there's a lot. I know, bro. I'm just trying to build it so they understand how we get to each one. Yeah. You well, know? maybe I'm just too detailed. You're. This is the most detail I've ever heard from you. Okay. Um, to be honest, I think you've uh, told it better because I this I is so much detail. <laughs> What's important, doing what's important. I hear that. Okay. Um, so five charges, two strikes, and no driving for the rest of my life. Um, when I was at sentencing, I was told, you know, this is what you're going to get by my attorney, right? It's, what's done is done. And this is where I learned that if you don't speak up for yourself, no one else will, right? The day of sentencing... Uh, I was asking for something called veterans court. It's where you can basically get in a program for rehabilitation to potentially fix your record, right? But it has to be connected to the military and like your charges have to be reflected by something that happened to you in your past, right? In this case, it was the sexual assaults that led to the drug use, right? And I was being denied that by the DA and my attorney was like, I fought for it. I fought for it. Sorry, you're not going to get it. And so I'm 21 years old. I'm like, this is going to be the rest of my life. I'm never going to drive. 
I'm going to have five felonies. And if I ever get in trouble ever again, I'm going to prison for 25 years to life. Right. Wow. And it was like major wake up call right there in that moment. And I stood up and I was like, excuse me, your honor. Do I have permission to speak? Right. And she was like, yeah, you know, and I basically was like, hey, like I'm 21 years old. You know, I have the rest of my life ahead of me. I acknowledge that I have made some major mistakes. Right. But I feel like I deserve the opportunity to at least prove to myself, to my family, to the court, the community, whatever that what what I did is not who I am, right? And she looked at me and she said, you know what, I will grant you veterans court, right? If, if the judge does not grant you veterans court at the day of sentencing, you cannot get it. It doesn't matter if you're eligible for the program, you can't even apply, nice. right? And so that's when I learned that if you don't speak up for yourself, nobody else will, Yeah. right? So... You got to have the courage to stick up for yourself, uh-huh. right? Fearless courage. Because I'll tell you right now, I was scared shitless for the rest of my life. But that that one moment altered the rest of my life. Had I not done that one thing, had I not stood up and fought for myself, right? Yeah. I probably would, not, would not be, be sitting, sitting here. here. I would not be sitting here, no. And so... Then I got denied veterans court twice, right? Because I, you know, like you have to apply, you have to write a letter as like why you should be approved. And so when I got out of jail, I put myself in rehab, right? I was, I still wasn't in veterans court, right? I was like, I need to do this for myself and for my family. Wait, how long were you in jail for? I was in jail for six months. Is that what you were sentenced for? I was sentenced for one year with half time it, with good behavior, meaning that if I don't get any, any trouble, I can get out in six months, one year, half time. And so you, you had good behavior though. I time. had good behavior the entire time, right? This is actually where I met Ryan, yeah. right? which we'll talk about that. Um, but um, six months there, a year total um, had I gotten in trouble and three years of felony probation, um, there's a specific term for that, but uh, that and then seven years of ESS, extended stay of sentencing. So if I got in any trouble within three years of getting out of jail, uh, basically like violating probation, doing something illegal, whatever, I was going to prison for seven years, right? So I had to be on my best behavior, right? This was the most disciplined I think I've ever seen myself, except for a competition, Right. Except for prep. Um, and so the extended state of sentencing. So I, like I said, I put myself in rehab, right? As soon as I got out of jail, I went straight there. Uh, I didn't know what my, the rest of my life was going to look like at that point. I was still 21 years old, living in San Diego with no family, no job, nothing. Right. Just got kicked out of the military. And I was like, Honestly, it was probably one of the most freeing moments of my life, actually, because it was like, it can only go up from here. That's how I looked at it. <laughs> That's literally how I looked at it. I was like, 
A fucking rock on bottom, the- dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <There's yep. no> <laughs> <way>. <laughs> That's how you have to look worse, at it. And then it gets worse. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Law of attraction. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> but hey, I needed all of that. I'm so grateful for that. All these experiences, all of it, like the worst of it. I go to therapy every two weeks and be going for the last four years. Right? I hated it at first, but it is so like beneficial. It's an emotional coach, right? Like everybody has life coaches or yeah. whatever mentors. Right? They're they're an emotional mentor and they're amazing, mm. right? So but rehab? I, no, not just rehab. No, but no, yeah. Going back to rehab. Um, so I went to rehab for six months, right? I was the youngest guy there. Uh, I got to see people who had been doing drugs till they were 55, 60 years old. People that just like let their lives go over drugs. They let it consume them. And so what I did instead of like looking at that and like going with the crowd, right? It was acknowledging the things that maybe I do that could put me in that situation later on in life, right? Avoiding reaching that point. Cause like they didn't expect that, you know, they didn't see themselves in, in a rehab at 55 years old. Yeah. Right. No one does. No one sees themselves doing hard drugs. Right. right? No one hopes for that. Except for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've met one other person. <laughs> okay. uh, but it's looking at basically I had messed up my life, right? I had to learn from my own mistakes, which most people have to do. But at that point, I had I realized, let me learn from others' mistakes, right? Because at that point, I needed the hard way, mm-hmm. right? So, and is this, is this okay? Yeah, dude. Okay. Uh, I don't we're, know how much how much time we've got, so I I could talk for hours. We're we're gonna take a break. Okay. Well, yeah, it's a, we're an hour in. Uh, where were you gonna go with that though? With the like establishing like things that you don't want to do, right? Or things you don't want to become later on in life and like seeing patterns that you do in your own life and stopping that. Does that make sense? To prevent you from right, right, being right. a 55-year-old in a rehab facility. Yeah. Right. Not repeating patterns. Right. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Breaking that, Uh, doing some, uh, what is it, a little bit, engaging in some neuroplasticity. Yes. Yeah, changing your course. Yeah. Seeing yourself from a third person and like really just like dissecting yourself and saying, you know, like that's not that's not a good habit. Mm-hmm. This is a good habit. Mm-hmm. Making your pros and cons of the things that who you are, right? And seeing if they align with yeah. who you want to be cuz I don't want to be 55 in a rehab. Right. I can tell you that right now and I won't be. Honestly, bro, I kind of think I learned a lot of that from you. Uh, like seeing you and watching you be like, oh, I decided I'm going to commit myself to six months off weed and all these things. You would always do these random things like just in, like to purposely break an addiction or whatever or a habit of anything just to see if you can do it, just to put yourself through a challenge. Yeah. And I started taking that from you and it's fucking helped change my life. Any addictions I've ever had from anything, I've been able to stop simply because I think about like, I want to put myself through a trial. This is going to be fucking hard. I'm going to come out of it stronger. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to fucking do it because discipline is doing the shit that you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. Absolutely. Discipline over motivation all day. Mm. Bro, like... Discipline eats motivation for breakfast. That's from Jocko Willick. 
Yo, he's a savage. Yeah. I actually just uh, like watched a video about that guy like like three weeks ago. Super inspiring. I was like, sir. <laughs> okay. So, well, let's yeah. uh, pause real quick. If you guys want to support, if you guys want to support the podcast, uh, it is not sponsored right now by any company or paid for by anyone. So, you know, I got to fund this by my living myself, but the way I can make my living and survive is by you guys using my code, code Nile for both uh, huge supplements. We were actually drinking the Formula 12 and uh, BCAs from them earlier. And then uh, Young LA, which is a young, young, young LA, which is a uh, fitness and uh, like streetwear apparel clothing company bunch of different varieties of stuff, two drops every uh, week. And then finally, if you guys are feeling some low T or you're a man that wants to um, consult about blood work or who wants to optimize their testosterone or the hormones or even wants to um, address erectile dysfunction, hair loss, treatments, um, anything, even uh, have growth hormone secretagogues to boost your growth hormone, then my HRT clinic is bodybuilding friendly and it's called Transcend HRT and you can sign up with them by clicking the link in my bio. Um, and this also will give me like maybe like a, t I think it's like a 10% commission or something. So um, if you guys decide that you want to get anything from them, it also helps me as well too. But they're my favorite sponsorship because I use them and I love like they literally helped yeah. save my life, especially when I was depressed and didn't know what was going on with my testosterone. Cause you know, I was doing some anabolic pills that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Wait, that's you talking. Oh yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate it when I do that. <laughs> Honestly, that was sick. That's kind of sick. That huh? was sick. That's what about this one? Trend. <laughs> That's, yep, yep. Uh, quick with it. Can I take a quick hand of this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, here. Oh, fuck me. I fucked up. Sorry. You're good. Yeah, I want a tiny one too. I didn't take big enough of a hit earlier. I'm chilling. I'm coasting now. I always like the second half of any substance that I, I take. It's like the micro. I always like the micro versions. Well, that's why that's why I fucking take the smallest hit. Yeah, but you're fucking. I hit it way too hard earlier. I'm not gonna. You lie. fucking go. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna take a small hit and then you <laughs> smoke a coffer. This is why I'm stopping for six plus months. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Let me just like chill. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm. I like how this right. picks up even like the fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right, we're going to hear a little bit more about you and shit, but I do want to like cover some bases. Okay. okay. Uh, Dion and I actually met at EOS, which is the gym where I filmed all my gym videos. The gym videos that blew me out of the water at first when I first started like killing it in there. Uh, it was all at EOS. Um, so those who watch this, you know the secret EOS overcast lighting outside, either overcast in the morning or during sunset, the prime, prime, it's like three point it, it, somehow from like the way EOS is structured and like there's walls around uh, with the whole rooftop open in the outside section. Three point physique lighting makes you look crazy. Three point. <sighs> if you ever heard of like three point lighting, yeah, I went no, lower. Not. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, we met there and uh, I was like with my ex at the time. 
that you guys have listened to our podcast probably and uh we were just listening to some i think it was like some dubstep or something you guys were definitely listening to dubstep yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we were like headbanging in the in the parking lot and then dion comes up and he's like yo you guys you guys rave yep yep that was, was that the first thing i said you guys rave yeah i think so yeah i think yeah yeah we're like yeah we fucking rave. at that moment I knew we were going to be boys. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I guess technically you could say we met at the gym. <coughs> and then I was wondering if uh, Dion was trying to get my girl. <laughs> Ro had dreadlocks at that time. Dude, yeah, she had dreads. She had fucking nuts. dreadlocks, but, yeah. Her yeah. hair was wild. I'm just kidding, by the way, guys. Uh, yeah, dude, her hair was fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. She looked like some cross between like some Asian black chick. <laughs> I'm like Amazonian. Amazonian. <laughs> she looked like the predator. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, but, uh, and then you introduced me to Ryan at some point later on in her, in her friendship. I don't remember if it was like what, six months in the route or something, but like, uh, you like just got him out of jail. He just fought, like he got out of jail mm. early um, you picked him up and brought him straight to EOS, I think, right? Yeah. And then I met him from there on out. Then, Should we tell the story of how Ryan got out early? Yeah, dude. Let's let's tell yeah. all the fucking stories, dude. All right. So Ryan, our best friend Ryan, was uh the he's literally like Forrest Gump. Forrest is he not? Gump. Yes. Your, your your thing is way too far. Way too far. Wait, wait. Be really careful. You don't want it to break. Just gentle. Pull real gentle towards you. <laughs> hey, mama. <laughs> yeah um you see how close it is to me okay okay here here if if you need to you could just move the table closer instead okay move the table closer yeah that's good okay okay that's way better Ooh. right in my mouth yeah so Put it in my mouth <laughs> i feel like ryan was literally just like forrest gump in like in person except the <laughs> not not mentally had, handicapped and uh way crazier like a party party version of Forrest Gump. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. say so. Yeah. yeah. Um like a like a normal cool version of Forrest Gump. Honestly, <laughs> he just went through the like craziest shit, dude. Like you, What's up? Have you seen the new uh what's it called? Uh The Planes. What is it with uh, Tom Cruise? No. What is that? Fuck. Okay. Top Gun. The new Top Gun. No, oh, I haven't. I want to. Dude, there's this guy in there. I don't remember his name, but he looks like Ryan. Really? Like, to a T. I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, straight like, up, like, white, blonde, blue eyed, camera yes. American vibes? Yes. Ken, Ken vibe. Captain America. Huh? Captain America. Yeah. Like, even like sounds like him almost a little bit. Same yeah. same like type of like personality. And I was like, this is wild. <laughs> like if you guys have ever seen Top Gun, the new one, if you see a picture of Ryan and you and you look at this guy, you're like, that's that was his personality, one hundred percent. The the the, 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 the new, guy in Top Gun? Yeah. Okay. Is it you should I watch, watch it. it. It's I'll a good it. movie. All right, but like <clears throat> Yeah, dude, he was just such a positive guy though. Like, let's just fucking um talk let's just talk about like all this all our stories we can think of about ryan okay yeah so ryan dude oh, jesus christ man that guy was uh he uh he watched his mom die at like what six years old 
right? No. Or he didn't watch his uh, mom die. He was on the second floor. He heard the gunshot. Um, his mom died when he was like, I don't remember the age. It was like six, seven or something like that. Yep. Yeah. So heard the gunshot, went down to find his mom dead. Mm. Um, yeah. Because uh, she was in a, she got in some altercation with her boyfriend at the time. Correct. Um, and they thought that her boyfriend had killed her. Um, yeah. So that's what her boyfriend was accused of. Um, and then later down the road, like maybe a couple months before Ryan passed, mm-hmm. her boyfriend got out of jail. And I just remember Ryan, like with the, like probably some of the most anxiety I've ever seen him. Like he would just be shaking like when he was thinking about it. I remember that time. And he was saying, boys, I'm going I'm to meet this guy. I'm going to meet him when he gets out of jail. I'm going to talk to him. I want to ask him. I want to ask him what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Crazy dude. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, he did talk to him. Yeah. 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 I, well, what I remember Ryan telling us is that, uh, he and his, and the wife got into an altercation mm-hmm. and she was threatening to kill herself with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the fight, Mm-hmm. most likely accidentally pulled the trigger. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fucking... That's the scariest. And the, the saddest and scariest thing about that is like I see that happening all the time. And I went through a situation like that with one of my exes. That I don't want to name names. But mm-hmm. um, when it gets so bad and it gets so toxic and a person feels trapped, they don't know what to do, sometimes uh, the partner will threaten the other person with their own life mm-hmm. like if you leave me if you do this i will kill myself it's hard yeah it's fucking terrible it, dude it is because it's so scary it is because you care about this it's person like helpless but it just like it, that's an unhealthy thing to do to somebody you know it's, yeah. it's kind of wrong um it is sorry it's you just, went through that no, it, yeah, it's good, dude. I, you, just like you, we went through a lot of things in, that we were able to. Uh, we are, we're strong now because mm-hmm. of the shit we went through. So, and I love myself. Going love through that, it gave you, it showed you what you don't want, right? Yeah. Got, sometimes we got to see what we don't want because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Um. So Ryan uh, watches. Like basically watched his mom die. Uh, Then he had to, his dad wasn't in the picture. Uh, He was gone. So he had to take care of his little brother and little sister himself Mm -hmm. for all of their teenage years. Older sister, baby brother. Oh, she's older? Mm -hmm. She's older. Oh shit. How old is she? Uh, I want to say she's like four years older than him. Really? I think so. I don't quote me on that. Okay. Yeah. He, I, I remember even when I met her, he definitely had to do the caring. <laughs> he had to, definitely had to take care of him. Yep. Um, and their house flooded because they Correct. were in Louisiana. Yep. It also got caught in a house fire. How the fuck did they like? How like did their house just burn down? Like what? How, how did Louisiana? That? <laughs> it's Louisiana. I haven't been to Louisiana, but the stories I've heard from Ryan. Okay. <laughs> so crazy. I don't question anything yeah. anymore. Like if, if somebody says it's happened, I'm like, all right. It, oh, of Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, for sure. For sure. Because all his crazy stories in the last 
two, three years, we were literally there. <laughs> there we was, watched them happen. There were some so. stories that were so bizarre and wild that I, even I, I was like, Ryan, are you telling that right? Yeah. And then some, I would hear him on the phone with somebody who went through that experience with him and they're telling the story. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, so yeah. It's so fucking funny, dude. Uh, I feel like people, oh shit. I feel like whoever's like religious or something is going to hate this part or might get mad at me for some reason. But uh, I even remember being one of the, like at a Halloween party with you and Ryan and like, he's talking to these girls about the, his bow tie on his dick. He's got, he's got a, he's got a bow tie. He tattooed a bow tie on his dick with his, with his own uh, prison gun. He did it himself. (laughs) Yeah. His fucking self. That's (laughs) that's fucking nuts, dude. Holy shit. You know that now you like, it just kind of paints a picture. You're like, okay, there's going to be some wild things coming up. If (laughs) if he did that to himself. Yeah. Yeah. And they were just like, they were like fucking kissing the bow tie <laughs> at a public Halloween party. <laughs> what an opener! What an opener! What an opener! I got, oh, a, yeah, I got, a, I got a bow tie on my dick. <laughs> he uh, would always call it a fancy dick. A fancy dick. He, it, he, he was like, "I got a fancy dick." <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, so funny. Uh, and I remember. Uh, I guess he also got. His first time he got stabbed, he was like seven years old or something. His kids, the kids that he thought were his friends at school, um, I guess they were like going home. He was on his bicycle or something. And I don't remember why they stabbed him. If they stopped him to try to take something from him, like it's, I don't know. I, I don't remember I that. can't build onto that story. Yeah, I know. Me neither. Um, I just remember him saying that he thought that they were his friends. Okay. Then, I know he did get stabbed. Yeah, he has the scar. He still had the scar, I remember. Uh, <laughs> the things Brian went through. Yeah, dude. Man. A lot. Um, the whole, like, going to the military and then uh, being in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, coming home, super... Okay, so Ryan got arrested because <laughs> he uh, he was out he was out partying with some people, with some friends of uh-huh. his, um, and... You know, the group of guys met like like these three chicks out in uh, Pacific Beach, out in PB in San Diego. And the girls decided that they would be down to go home and like hang out at their place. So Ryan's like, all right, let's let's fucking go. Yeah. Um, and he tried to bring his boys to come with him because uh, he's a boy. And like, why not? Why wouldn't you want your boys to like come with you and come enjoy on. a good ass yeah. time? And uh, I guess they just wouldn't go because <laughs> uh-huh. they just didn't want to go so um Brian was like all right well fuck it then I'll just go with him myself alone and so the rest of the guys stayed there he went home with them um, he was having a great time with two of them but I guess the uh <laughs> the very very overweight and unattractive one was super fucking hammered mm-hmm. and uh probably wasn't liking the fact that she wasn't getting Attention. attention yeah and i mean that's understandable especially looking at people in pv when they're fucked up and they're all hammered dude like <laughs> people are savage dude the primals come out the primals but oh yeah at one point the the uh the other two girls went into the kitchen to, i guess grab something and grab some food mm-hmm. um and the one that was all upset and everything goes where the fuck is my phone looks around looks at Ryan, grabs this phone, tries to unlock it, starts smashing it on the ground. She's like, why won't my phone unlock? 
<laughs> and it's not it's because it's not her fucking phone it's his phone he's like well, dude well, stop why the fuck are you doing that so he grabs tries to grab his phone and tries to take it away from her and when he does it she starts yelling out rape yep right yep well it was get your hands off me get your hands off get me. your hands off me right okay. because she had also gotten physical with him and that's what happened they ended up do you want to keep going no you go ahead um I'll try to recall this as best I can because you were telling it pretty well. Okay. Right. And basically the other two girls come in, they have baseball club, not, not baseball, uh, golfing clubs. Yeah. Right. Ryan at this point is completely naked. Right. Uh And so all he has is his phone. Right. I think he gets it back and they basically chase him out of the house with (laughs) golf clubs. Jesus Christ. Right. He's naked. It's like, I don't know what, I don't remember the time, but it was late. And so Ryan's trying to figure a way out. Like, how do I get back in the house? I need to get my shit. Right. Yeah. And at that point, the girls had called the cops on him. Right. And so the cops were coming and Ryan didn't know this, but he's basically on the sidewalk and he's facing one direction. And all he hears is, Hey motherfucker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause he, this is after he was running away from the girls. Right. Yes. I remember him saying they had like bats. Yep. (laughs) That's yep. crazy. Uh, yeah, dude jumps out of the window. I can literally imagine him doing this too because we've seen him do things like this all yeah. the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> even the way he fucking crouches and squats and shit like mm-hmm. that. Probably like hide. Yeah, so hiding behind the bushes. Yep. Then he hears a voice behind him saying, hey, motherfucker, right? Motherfucker, yep. And then? And he. so if you hear that, what are you going to do? You're probably going to defend yourself, right? I mean, if, if I hear that, I mean, I would probably be fucking scared, especially when it comes out like that and I'm hiding Yeah. And my anxiety is high. I'd probably be fucking shocked. You just got, so hit I don't really know what I would do because it would be some kind of a, you know, a response, yeah. defensive response, primal defensive response. Fight right? or flight. Yeah, exactly. So, and not to mention like, you know, Ryan's probably drunk to some extent. He's probably, yeah. I don't know if he's hammered, oh, but yeah. he's definitely drunk, right? They're all I would, fucked I would up. I think so. Yeah, you're in PB. Especially knowing Ryan. <laughs> Ryan was a Marine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, drinking. Yeah, yeah, he was fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> he was yeah, drinking. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so Ryan turns around, spins around, swings, decks this person in the face, yeah. and smashes the guy's face in. Like, actually breaks in his bone structure. Smashes his face he, in. He broke his, like, literally his facial... Like skull. Yeah. Shattered. He smashed in the face of a cop. <laughs> Ryan Ryan told me he was like, I, I thought about this a lot when I did the punch because he was crouched down. Yeah. And so when he turned around, he had like an uppercut. Oh, right? shit. And so how he hit him is the cop hit him and he basically went flying back onto the street. Right. And then Ryan got jumped by like i don't remember how many cops i think he said it was like eight and he Jeez. he fought him i saw pictures of everybody he fought him he fought him yeah he was drunk <laughs> he, he was already in fight or flight oh no the cops and they beat the shit out of him why did he fight he showed me his discovery right which had like pictures and everything of like yeah the cops that he fought and then him in the hospital it was gnarly right oh, man i've feel so bad for him like ryan would never have actually like you know he would never have wanted to ever like hit a cop like that or do anything like that but you know 
I saw young Brock. and uh, drunk and fucked up. Mm-hmm. A mistake that he took ownership of. Like when we say Ryan's like Captain America, dude's like Captain America. He did, you know, like that was one of those things. It's just like you made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is, which happens yeah. to everybody. We all make mistakes. Right. Let's so. talk a little bit more about the, let's, let's just give a, a rundown of all the tragedies and all the, uh, the good things that he did too. All I'm the gonna tragedies go, yeah. and the good things. I'm going to go okay. to my post that I made about him because I wrote it down all in a list so I can, okay. you know, never forget. Um, yeah, I'm going to find this post. Uh, what a, what a, what a, he had so many different tragedies. And what else? His dad. Oh what yeah. You, yeah. His dad committed uh, suicide. His dad committed suicide because he was in a wheelchair and <sighs> And that was, I think, right before he got back from deployment. It's actually really crazy now hearing the wheelchair part from you because knowing that Ryan put a DNA, do not resuscitate for if he's paralyzed. Mm -hmm. That's fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. Man, it it always does make me wonder, though, you know? Yeah. Because us knowing him, our version of him, I know for a fact, would have made the most of it. Absolutely. Had he been allowed to. I survive. think that we could think about that all day. Yeah. It's but okay. We went through uh we went through some hell trying to make peace, but also, you know, argue with his family on oh yeah. Just trying to keep him on life support. That but, was a that was an experience. Like that was yeah. 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 Um I do respect his family. If you guys are listening, um mm-hmm. I do respect you guys and I I do appreciate everything you guys did for Ryan. Um, so But anyways, moving on. Um yeah, so I have written down he was stabbed and mugged at 7 years old and this is only just a small small list cuz I didn't get everything. Um, mm-hmm. lost both his parents at a young age, took care of his family. Uh, when his house in Louisiana flooded for months, lost that same house in a house fire, joined the Marines to serve his country, then went to jail for three years off a of mistake. He was sentenced for how long? I want to say it was eight years. I'm surprised it was only eight years. Well, I remember at one point it was like 33 years. Holy shit. Right? Cause like when I, cause I knew Ryan in jail. Yeah. So he was actually supposed to get out. A month after I had gotten out. I, I Wait, was, really? Yeah, yeah, he was supposed to get out a month after I had gotten out. See, Ryan had went to... So we were in jail, county jail. He got sent to a 90-day like observation period in prison. Uh-huh. right? And they wanted to see if he was fit for prison, if that makes sense. Like if he was mentally... Like if he could go in. right? And so they sent him back after 90 days. He came back to the jail that I was at. And he was going to court to basically get his sentencing finally. Like, am I going to prison or am I getting out and doing rehab or whatever? Yeah. Right. And so I got out. He was supposed to get out a month later. And when he went to his court date, that was like two weeks or so later, the officer that he punched in the face uh, who had to retire basically showed up to that hearing. The sentence hated Ryan. Yes. Right. And him, his family, and all of his coworkers 
showed up to that sentencing and the judge was going to let him out. Right. She was going to let him out. That would, that's what was planned. And because they showed up, she was like, I'm really sorry. But yeah. 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 The, the guy, the guy was like, no, I remember the, uh, yeah, the cop was like, fuck this guy. He ruined my, he ruined my life. I can't be a cop anymore. Like this guy absolutely ruined my fucking life. He's a dick bag. Like where the fuck would you ever really disrespect, you know, someone like that or like, a cop? like, yeah, he was just going out and like, um, I mean, I do feel bad for the guy, yeah. but whatever. Anyways, he, uh, he basically fought hate with hate. Uh, yeah. and I can see why he was still in there, but Anyways, uh, Ryan lost the same house in a house fire. Then he joined the Marines to serve his country. Went to jail for the for three years and got out early for some good reasons. Worked as a firefighter during his t- time in jail. Yes. Um, how does that work? He had like a so was he fire on a, camp? Was it oh fire camp? Okay. So when you go to prison, uh, you can do work. You do fire camp because he was a Marine. Marines and Navy are first firefighters, so he had already had knowledge on being a firefighter. Right. And so they let him into the program. He was so good that he became the trainer for all the new inmates that were going into fire camp. Oh, no way. Right. And then he ended up being scouted by the local fire department because they were like, he's that good that they took him out of prison and he was living with the fire station. Whoa. Yeah. And so this is actually how he ended up getting out early. Yeah. Right. Um, do we get do we get into that? Um, yeah, uh, he, was he, uh, was that, that's not related to parole, right? Like he didn't have like a beeper or something on his leg while he was oh, with no, the firefighters. I'm or pretty he? sure he did. Yeah. He, I'm pretty he sure did. he did. Yeah. Okay. That's at that point. That would have made sense. Um, yeah. So we worked as a firefighter and saved tons of people's lives while serving his time in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, rescued a guy stuck in the mountains, saved the life of a teenager who shot himself in the head, which freed him from two years early ryan saw a kid shoot himself in the head and miss his brain the kid was writhing on the ground just fucking choking on his own blood ryan comes over uh, i don't remember what his procedure was to keep the kid uh, awake um yelled at people to go call 911 and kept the kid from bleeding and choking on his own blood to death until the ambulance came and uh, I don't remember what the kid... Do you remember any more details? Yes. Um, so, one, Ryan was the only one who responded to the scene, right? Okay. Um, when the firefighters got there, they were the first ones to arrive. The ambulance hadn't arrived yet. And so, Ryan, he had seen his mom at a young age, right? And he was he was a Marine, so he was very medically informed, mm-hmm. right? And so he was the only one who responded until the paramedics got there, right? And so this kid was the fire chief's son, I think, or like the the police chief's son. Okay. Right? And so... Oh, shit. Yes. This is why it was oh, so yeah. big. Yeah. Um, and so... I think it was a police. I think it was police. It was a police chiefs. Because, oh, shit. Because when paramedics showed up, they said, who is oh, this? Oh, my God. And they said, he's an inmate. And they said, "It does. I need to take him with me. And the officers were like, I'm sorry, you can't do that. And the fire chief stepped up and said, listen here, motherfuckers. This is my son right here. He's getting in that in the back of that. Fire ambulance. chief or police chief? I fire think, chief. I, I think it was police chief. Police chief. Okay. So, my bad. 
Um, but basically the kid ended up living. He survived. Right. And so I'm also curious what the kid's mindset was. Cause I know some people might be like, well, if you try to commit suicide, why would you, do you have the right? Like what's the moral code there? You know, it's very conflicting. <sighs> I, Li- I don't know either, but I don't believe that I'm, anyone should take their own life. Uh, okay. Right. Yeah. And like I said, we all make mistakes. Right. There, there are certain mindsets that people can get into. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's like that's not you all the time. Mm-hmm. That's not you all the time. Our feelings constantly change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's knowing who you are and keeping those beliefs intact and everything as you are um, going through different feelings and different modes and different whatever emotions in life that keeps you on that straight path. Um, if you waver when you waver constantly, mm-hmm. you can waver any way, especially if you don't have any direction. I think that's where people can lose themselves. Um, so uh, I heard, uh, I remember hearing something positive about the kid afterwards, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, yep. So hopefully the kid is very happy right now uh, with his, with his life. And yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, police chief uh, saved the kid and mm-hmm. Ryan was able to get out of jail two years early. Yes. Crazy. Yep. He didn't, he wasn't, he, he didn't expect that or anything. They just sat him down and said, Hey, here's these documents. Read yeah. these. And then he just cried. Wow. Cause could, could you imagine that you're thinking two years left and then out of nowhere, they're like, you're going to be out of here in 60 days. <laughs> I would just like, I would melt. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. So Dude, every time I'm having a hard time, every time I wake up with tons of anxiety, I just think about you guys in jail. And then I think about people in the military. That's all I have to think about. I have to put myself in someone's body, whether they're in the military or jail. And I'm like, oh, I'm immediately happier. <laughs> Good thing I'm not either right now. Is gratitude. Yeah, gratitude. Gratitude is number one, mm-hmm. right? There's a. There's I, I, would, I would love, I respect so much people who serve the country. Um, and if I had the honor of serving my country, I would have so much respect for myself and I, I would, I would feel very proud of myself, but doesn't change the fact that that shit is intense and scary as fuck. Not hell week you. too, dude. Oh my God. Hell week. Or, hell week. Jesus. And then that's, and that's nothing compared to actual, actual war and what everybody goes through. You know what I mean? But yeah, it really puts life into perspective. Thankfully with the military, hell week is only meant for like seals and whatnot. So like not everybody in the military goes through hell week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I guess there's a hell week of like boot camp, but a little different. Yeah. 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 A little bit different for sure. Um, he was also homeless and lived in the sober living for a bit. Yes. And wrestled alligators. He did. <laughs> wrestled alligators. You know that video? That oh, was, with, the, with the fucking volleyball player girl? Yeah. Miami. <laughs> you were in Miami. That's no, fucking hilarious, I, I wrestled dude. alligators. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, that's my fucking clock. Sorry. I wrestled Ooh. alligators. Oh, um, I, hold on. Be right back. I got to click this video thing. Okay. All right. We are resuming now. Uh, yeah. So, and then, um, what else? Oh, yeah. And then just recently, before he passed away, um, he got his record erased 
in case overturned to not guilty. Yep. So something amazing uh, for both Dion and Ryan. They both got their records erased. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan won his Veterans Affairs claim. Correct. That was so sick, dude. When he found out he got all the money, dude. Oh my god, he was so happy. I remember <laughs> that was the sick. day. That was a sick moment. Um, and then he finally got off parole one and a half years early. Yep. That as well. And then got hired in an amazing new job and finally planned to travel the world as a free man. And then right when he finally decided to travel the world, right after he realized he had all this opportunity, is when he got in the accident on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Um, should I Should I say how? I th- I think that that's yeah. important, yeah, because like even when, even after the accident, he still did miracles. Yeah, he still worked miracles. Yeah, yeah, right. He but like he uh, he he was always he was always a daring guy. He was always fearless. Um, Maybe some of you can consider this reckless, but I know that this kid was just living his life to the absolute fullest. Fearless. Uh, yeah. He um he got in this accident by uh doing a double backflip off a two story building into a pole. But um it was unfortunately just the perfect angle to where he just landed right on his head and broke his neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bottom of the pool. Yeah, and people couldn't find him for They don't know. For uh, a certain period of time so he was essentially he was just drowning in there not being able to move being paralyzed while under yes. water um so uh and he struggled for a long time he was definitely holding on for his life with that yeah uh, a week the life support i remember at one point when we thought he wasn't coherent and he looked at us and mm-hmm. he looked at you and we said something about like how we love him and we, he just, he started crying. He had a tear. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And then even in the end, after all the things that he went through, he saved so many people's lives during his time Mm -hmm. alive. And he had always been the kindest guy, no matter what, every single time, whenever I was around him, he would always like, he would just ask people, like, are you okay? Are you doing this? And then he would just give gifts to people. He would always just have gifts to people. Or uh, someone's having trouble, he's like, hold on, I'll be there in a second. Drive over and, like, fix up somebody's door for them or drive up and, like, fix somebody something for them because mm-hmm. he was also a mechanic, right? Yeah. So he would literally just do acts of service and give gifts for people when there was no special occasion, mm-hmm. just randomly, all the time. That's how it, it should be. Right, it's how I, I I believe I believe, mm-hmm. well, I believe that's a good person. I believe he's an amazing, inspirational person that I want to, I you know, I want to, I want to uh, take inspo from. But selfless in every way, right? But never wavered from his own personal boundaries. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, cool. he he really rarely ever asked for anything back ever. He just did it out of the goodness of his heart. Um, and then, uh, uh, finally <clears throat> when he passed and they decided to take him off life support because his family didn't want him to continue under life support mm-hmm. and he also had a DNR so we couldn't fight it. Yep. Uh, 
Ryan's name, he, he was signed up as an organ donor. Correct. Which further pushed the reason why that they should stop the life support now to ensure that his organ survived. Mm-hmm. And so in doing so, Ryan saved how many people? Do you know? I want to say it was like 214. 214. No way. That was like the potential. The potential. The that potential. was the potential, yeah. But his heart immediately went to... A kid in San Diego. A kid in San Diego. An 18-year-old kid in San Diego. Yeah. Right? Back in his real ass fucking home. Yeah. Yep. That was that was always like a... It was just like a wow. It's like even in the darkest moments, there's light. Yeah. Right? So I, that's how I chose to look at it. So I had to look at it. Yeah. And then Nick was also such a good person too. Pure light. Yeah, dude. Walk into a room just like Ryan. It would literally felt lighter. Like he always had something loving and something caring and something good to say about every person to their face. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it was not a hundred percent not for anything in return. Mm-hmm. And you would think it was because you would be defensive. Everyone's like, oh, for example, the people in L.A., they're all out there to take something from you. They're all out there to take advantage of you so they can climb themselves. Mm-hmm. And I always judged Nick for being someone like this. Okay. Until I finally got to actually know him mm-hmm. and was heavily humbled by one of the best people I've ever met. He would. I, I remember we went to Splash House and he bought everything. I was just like, bro, what? How much do I owe you? He's like, no, don't worry about it. I'm like, no, fuck you, man. Fuck mm-hmm. you. Take my money. Take something, please. Mm-hmm. Like, he would just do everything for both of them, honestly. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think <sighs> I'm glad to have had these experiences because. Yeah. Now I know that I am humbled and these guys were such good people and I don't ever want to judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to anymore. So I look at Nick and Ryan as if like they were Kings, you know, the way that you think, the way I look at a King is it's someone who is true to themselves. Yeah. Right? Do you know the four archetypes? Warrior, magician, um, okay. priest, and king, okay. I think. Oh, whatever. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing. Um, basically, like when I think about a, a real king, it's, it's not someone who sits back and just takes. Right? Just takes from the people. Give me, give me, give me. It's someone who... It's constantly like, not constantly, but always has the goal or intent of bettering their people, right? Because in turn, you would be served as well. Those that give will be given more, right? And so like the more, this is a like law of attraction. Someone who served is, someone who would always serve. Someone who would serve. A king is someone who Whoever maybe always served, Mm -hmm. always gave always loved yep everybody his whole kingdom that that was those guys 100 yep. percent. so 
That's why uh, I don't ever want to. I don't want to be a dick to people. I don't mm-hmm. ever want to be too selfish for people. Um, I don't want to ever decide not to respond to someone simply because they're not of my status or of my stature or are the, they're gonna, not going to contribute to my life in some way. I don't ever want to do any of that because then I'm, in my eyes, putting their image in vain mm-hmm. or putting their life in vain. That was the, like one of the coolest things. It didn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter at all. You could be a rich billionaire. You could be homeless. All in between, they never judged and they would still like treat them as if they're just a, a human being, <laughs> you know, and can just be there. This is a crazy part, like knowing them, like they were always, they were more accepting than mm-hmm. really almost anyone I could really think about in a crazy yeah. way. Yeah. Quality. That's a quality like characteristic. Right. Mm-hmm. And two very fucking handsome individuals too. So they could, yeah. they could have been the biggest dicks, but <laughs> nah, they weren't. That's what I love about our, our friend group. We all look like, like. I can see how some people could perceive us as like gym bros, mm-hmm. right? But what is it? Gym bros. Oh. And so we're all just like very just like humble, true, and just like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Still a little high? Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually tired. Like I got four and a half hours of sleep last yeah, night. Yeah, I did. I drank. Which I never drink, and I gotta leave at three a.m. I'm impressed you even made it to this podcast. I told you I would come, (laughs) and so that's what I mean. Like I want to like you want to hold yourself to your integrity. Yeah, Yeah. no, and I appreciate that. I do. So I was. I do appreciate that, bro. I was coming. I was. You always do another one some other day. (laughs) Yeah, we're gonna have to. Oh yeah, (laughs) we went through like I feel like we went through like a less than a quarter of everything. Oh, we're at not even we're at like ten (laughs) percent. Yeah, but. Um. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. like to look at it in a, in in tragedy, but I think these guys did a lot for us. And the there's nothing more I want to do right now in my life than to carry on their vision, carry on their purpose, and the things that they did for people. Mm-hmm. Embody it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They have some water. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Um. Any other stories that you can think of off the head? Off the well, oh yeah, dude. Also <laughs> about how you broke your back in jail and oh. snowboarding, then you had to go through uh, that surgery and that whole period of recovery, dude. Both Ryan and Dion and all our friends, uh, Melody's back. Both well, Ryan, Dion, and <laughs> Ryan, Dion, all our friends, Dakota. You guys, dude. Like you guys are like after looking, at you guys. You guys are the reasons why I don't go like skydiving anymore. <laughs> Or I don't want to go like, like ride a motorcycle anymore. It's fucking sick, and I love how you guys are fearless. But the amount of times I saw you guys incapacitated, me injured, all okay, of you. I've been injured, but not incapacitated. I think I think after that, I think that back surgery mm-hmm. is qualifies as being incapacitated. Actually, you literally I, could not move. I'll, I'll give you. You that. could not move. I was paralyzed from the waist down for sixteen days, basically. From the day that I woke up and couldn't move my legs to the day that I had surgery, once they gave me the surgery, I was actually able to walk, right? But you're right, incapacitated. That's for damn sure. 
That's why I didn't go. That's why I only went skiing for like a few hours and at the cabin your trip. Ankle. I didn't twist my ankle, but yeah, I fucked my leg up a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah yeah yeah, or tweaked it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, I'm like I'm trying to compete. I'm trying to become Mr. Olympia. So you're not um, trying, even though you're doing. You're right. You're gonna do it. You're right. I'm gonna be Mr. Olympia. So the last thing I want to do is um, put my my biggest passion, my career, my biggest goal and dream on the line. Yeah. It, to make it impossible simply because I wanted uh, an hour of fun. It's really oh. important to weigh the benefits, the pros and cons of a decision before you make the decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is speaking from a guy who uh, had back surgery and was paralyzed because he decided to go uh, snowboarding for the first time on the hardest slope in Big Bear. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't know that's the track that I was going on until two weeks ago. Until you, yeah, until yeah. Two yeah. weeks ago. His boys, fucking her boys, <laughs> Levi and uh, who else? Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> Dude, Ryan, why? Oh, shit. Uh, why did they tell you it wasn't the starter slope? You know what? The they they may have. Oh, you uh, think so? I, I, they may have. And knowing me back then, I was probably like, I can do it. <laughs> God damn it. Nope. Um, yeah. Reckless motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm not really reckless anymore, though. Okay. We got, we got like five. Yeah. No, you're not, dude. You've learned a lot since you've definitely become a lot more responsible. It's probably uh, my back. <laughs> I have to be. I think you're just getting old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my back. Uh, I wanted to ask if you have any last stories or anything, but actually, we have five minutes left, so we can't. But, anyways, okay. I got. Is there anything else that you can think of that you want to talk about? Because we're going to have to have another episode where we actually get deep and like talk about the shit we want to talk about. Because yeah. all we did was like skim a story. We did skim a story. And then we skimmed Ryan's very, life. Very, very dissected story. Anything you want to say? Um, ownership. We were talking about that earlier. Oh, yeah. Right? It wasn't until I started taking ownership of the choices I had made... Right, that led me to jail, that led me to having spinal surgery or going to rehab or whatever. Right. Until I that that it wasn't until I took ownership that I actually made a turning point in my life to do better for myself. Dude, I was literally thinking about that same thing. The biggest thing that I've done for myself this last year is that when I finally started taking ownership for everything that I've done, and this isn't just like, oh, you're taking ownership of everything you're done. Even in my relationship, mm -hmm. when I decide to take responsibility for all of the faults, for anything that's happened, in the, mm -hmm. in the instead of completely like blaming both sides or blaming mostly the other side, mm -hmm. when I decide to take full responsibility for the, the way a relationship goes, even though it takes two to tango, yes. I realized that I just, I just gained all my power back mm -hmm. and I was able to change my life into whatever the fuck sick life I wanted. I realized that in taking the ownership for that, I was, I felt more free than I've ever felt in my entire life. Because even though it's heavy to take ownership of something, even though it sucks and your ego doesn't want to do it, I felt like I was no longer ever going to be a victim. I yeah. felt like I was a man. I felt like I had the power to change my life and turn it into whatever the hell I wanted. I felt like I had the power to have the best fucking relationship I ever want ever again in the future if I choose to, because I know exactly 
how to try to make it work. You know yeah. what I mean? Obviously, you know, things happen. Maybe it's not a good fit, blah, blah, blah all that shit, whatever. Uh-huh. But, like, for me, I know how to, like, you know, control my life and make decisions with the things I can't control now. You know what you need to do for you. Yeah. To do to make it work. Right. Right? Okay. Yeah. It's It's dope. It's a good feeling. I think that you're almost like imprisoned by yourself until you take ownership. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, cause you're, you're always pointing the finger, but like, right. You got to sometimes point the finger at yourself. One thing, one example I was thinking of is a, one of our very, very close boys that said something to me that just honestly tore me apart. I wanted to uh, take space for myself and I wanted to decide to choose the correct friends that the right friends who truly cared about me. Okay. Um, and you know, drop him from my close friend circle because I wanted to make sure that I only had people who truly cared and truly loved me and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, I realized that, um, he can't, there's nothing he can actually really do to, to to hurt me because I'm already aware Mm -hmm. of like his tendencies and stuff. And then realize that I actually feel a lot more freer when, even if it was something he did that hurt me to actually just forgive him. And then also just apologize for anything that he doesn't like. I realize I feel so much better if I just take ownership for the whole situation, period, anyways. And uh, just move forward and still act in love and, Mm -hmm. you know, still have a friend. You've probably heard it before. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Yeah. 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 I agree. That's what I felt. So... Um, I think as long as I have the awareness and I'm careful, then I know, you know. Yeah. I think that, um, in situations like that, sometimes you just gotta, you know, go head on with it. Just face it directly, you know? And typically people are scared to do that. Maybe. Because of the possible outcome, right? But we typically are scared of things that are never actually going to ha- come true. Anxiety. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's our body naturally trying to protect us. Mm-hmm. Like right. I said, you, you feel free. You feel much freer once you do that, once you take ownership. And it, it, especially if both parties can do it. That's probably really important. Yeah. But... If you can do it for yourself. If both parties can do it, then you can create a beautiful relationship, whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two questions for you, bro. Okay. First question. If you were to die tomorrow, what is the first thing you would do right now? First thing that I would do right now. Meditate. Okay. I'd meditate. I actually, I don't Why? meditate too often. Why? Because I would want to make sure that however, like I know that I'm going to die tomorrow, right? I want to make sure that whatever I decide to do for my last day, it's out of a clear conscious decision and not just like fear, fear-based. Because if anybody gets told they're going to die tomorrow, they're probably going to get scared. You know, yeah. so it's, it's address that as quick as possible and then do what my last 24 hours is going to be. Okay. But yeah. what is the first thing you would start the 24 hours with? Um, I would call you. I'd, I'd call all the people that I love 
and I would just express my gratitude for the life that I had, right? And the experiences that I gained with them, right? And laugh. I would laugh for 24 hours like a psycho. I don't know why, but <laughs> I don't know why, but you literally just got me thinking about like you and Marco's stories about you like climbing cranes like thousands of feet high <laughs> in the air and then like jumping the fence of EDC to like get into EDC without EDC tickets. <laughs> <laughs> the EDC one? Yeah. That story was wild. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be there. We'll talk about more, more of these stories later. We didn't even talk about a single fucking girl this whole time. We didn't need to. <laughs> We don't need to. We're sick as fuck. <laughs> the boys. That ju- that's just how you know um, we're going to need like five other episodes. <laughs> All right. Last question. Okay. Uh, you said two. Now it's three. It was two questions. All right. The first one was, uh, the first one was, it was a build off tomorrow. Second question is, uh, if you had any superpower, what would it be? If you could have any, any superpower, Damn. I don't think I want one. I don't think I would want one after thinking about that for a quick second. Really? Yeah. Because saying that I, I wish I want I had something, it's it means that I don't have it. Does that make sense? Like um the, the ability to read minds. Like I would go crazy. Right? The ability to go anywhere at, a, at the flick of a finger, right? Now you're not even present. You're not enjoying the ride the, to, like, to get to the destination. Oh. You know what I mean? So like, I thought about that. And then I thought about flying, right? Maybe flying. Can't go wrong there. <laughs> flying. I'd want to fly. Okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. Damn, bro. The second one was my, my power. What do you mean? Oh, flip. Where would you go first? Uh, Tokyo. Tokyo? I'll meet you there. Why don't you just come? From your flight. Just come. (laughs) I'm going to be there for two weeks. Yeah? You can come for like three days. No, I don't come for three days. That that wouldn't be worth it. But. Because they're kind of expensive right now, right? Hell yeah. Yeah. They're $5,000. That was a a good answer, though. That was a good answer. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everything could have its drawbacks. All right. All right. Anyways, appreciate you guys for watching. Uh, this is Dion Terry, my fucking best friend. Just wanted to have him on a podcast because we lo- we always have the greatest conversations. And um, I don't know. Do you have any socials and stuff you want to shoot to people? Uh, well, it's going to change. Okay. But it's going to change. I don't know if I'm actually change it. Dion Terry? Dion Terry Fit. Okay. Gotcha. On then- Instagram. Anyways, thanks, guys. I love you guys so much for watching. We're going to have another episode soon where we're just going to shoot the shit. Um, we'll probably get high again, but every time we get high, we like... <laughs> I get too high. We, we, we don't stay high. on track. Uh, yeah, dude. Okay. Dion fucking Terry, bro. Thanks wow. for being on my pod, bro. Mm. Thanks for having me. I was actually looking forward to this. I knew it would happen Yeah. one day, and here we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Maybe sooner than expected. Yeah. You know what? We'll have to do one after I get back from Japan. Well, you're going to be in LA at that point, right? Uh, I'll be in LA like mid-January. Mid-January. Okay. Yeah. Well, shit. If you need help moving, I got you. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Thanks, dude. All right. Love you guys. Peace.